Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Welcome to episode six of To The Point Cybersecurity. I'm Erica Pierce, and today I'm solo hosting as Eric is away, but I'm very excited to have a special guest with us all the way from across the pond in Scotland, Dr. Karen Renoid. Dr. Renoid is a professor of extraordinarius, I hope I'm saying that correctly, at the University of South Africa, where she focuses on human-centric cybersecurity. Welcome, Dr. Renoid. Hi there. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. And I want to make sure I, I said your title correctly because it's such a, a cool, <laughs> a uh, cool, cool, cool title. By saying professor of extraordinarius, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. But I'm actually that that's kind of just an honorary title. Okay. I'm professor of cybersecurity at Abertay University in Dundee. Excellent, excellent. And Karen, you know, I was just um, I was just talking to Eric on our last episode about an article that you, you recently wrote, which is called Why Government Should Treat Cybersecurity the Way They Do Infectious Diseases. And I thought when I read it, wow, this makes a lot of sense. Would love to have um, you or your co-author, Stephen Flowerday, um, on the podcast to really dive deeper. So I, I, I'm thankful that we were able to get you on so quickly and to dive a little bit into this article. I'm really pleased to be here today. Thank you for inviting me. Excellent. Well, this is to the point, uh, so we will get right to it. So, Mm -hmm. Karen, um, I just want to first start by um, just talking about, you know, what really inspired you to write the article. And essentially, you know, the article um, compares the hands-on approach that government takes when it comes to cybersecurity to the more hands-off approach it takes. um, I'm sorry, let me back up. It takes, it compares the hands-on approach that government takes to infectious disease and compares it to the more hands off approach government takes um, in terms of cyber attacks and hacks and basically saying that, you know, the government passes the burden um, to us as citizens uh, in terms of how we respond, how we um, contain cyber attacks. So tell me more just about, um, you know, if it was your research or or what inspired you to really uh, write on this topic. And also, if you wouldn't mind, I would love for you just to give our listeners um, an overview of the scenario that you walked through uh, in the beginning of the article about Mayberry fever, because I really think that helps, um, you know, one to understand what you're making the case for. Right. Um, so I, I started looking at how um, community, society hand, has handled risk over the, the, the last century or so. Um, and this, it kind of came to me as I started reading about how we cope with fire these days, how we cope with disease, how we cope with various risks to communities and society, uh, and how government has initially put the responsibility onto individuals and then kind of realized that this wasn't working and then slowly started to realize that they needed to put infrastructures into place. And it felt to me as though people had not really applied these lessons to cybersecurity. So I worked with uh, Stephen Flowerday, my colleague in South Africa, mm-hmm. and also with Meryl Walkington, who's at Mississippi State University, and somebody in the Mississippi government. Uh, he's the head of IT there. And so we formulated this idea of, of uh, the kind of government taking a more active role. And so the, the example that this paper, this piece that myself and Stephen wrote, that we come back to is that um, 
say, say you as a citizen were to hear about a fever that has hit a neighboring village, um, and in a world where disease is treated the way cyber is, you mm-hmm. would then have to go online, find a vaccination, get it in the mail, and try right. to inject yourself. <laughs> and you would probably freak out because you wouldn't really know whether this vaccination would work. Uh, you wouldn't maybe know how to inject yourself, and mm-hmm. you might make yourself ill and so on. And so we said, but actually this is what government is expecting the everyday citizen to do when it comes to their personal devices. And you know, so big companies can probably cope because they can afford to pay experts. But cybersecurity is very hard. It's, it becomes more and more challenging every year. Mm-hmm. The cyber criminals are way ahead of us. They are technically very competent. And, and the general population, you know, it's going to take years and years to get to a level where they can protect themselves. And in the meantime, the cybersecurity criminals are way ahead of us. Uh, so they're, they're moving technologically much faster than the man and woman in the street. If you think about the fact that many people, you know, you get very competent nurses, school teachers, people doing everyday jobs very well. They don't want to be technological experts. Right. They don't want to be cyber experts. The same way they don't want to be doctors. <laughs> but somehow we, we expect them to be able to uh, follow all this advice. Um, and we felt that the government was treating this problem as if it was just a problem of a knowledge deficit. Where if you just tell people all the things they have to do, then they, they can look after themselves. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the number of cybersecurity incidents is increasing year on year, you could hardly open a newspaper these days without seeing some report of another cyber breach or another cyber event. I mean, I don't know if you saw that um, British Airways got attacked yeah. last uh, you I know, a big company like that <laughs> mm-hmm. gets it Which back. is scary, yeah. You know, what about me with my little smartphone? And so I guess the case we were trying to make was that it's okay to responsabilize. This is a, a term that comes from political science. To, re- to say to people, you know what, you're responsible for this yourself. And that's fine when it's only that person who is being affected. So if I decide to smoke, for example, as long as I don't do it around other people, I'm only hurting myself. Right. And so the government rightly says, oh, well, you know, it's up to you. But when it's when I if I were to get a massive uh, breach on my device, it would uh, potentially affect everyone whose details I store on my device. So I, I, don't, I have all my entire family's telephone numbers on my device the, the the virus could propagate to them as well. So cyber has more in similar to to diseases than it has to individual things like smoking. And therefore, we felt that government really ought to start acknowledging that citizens need a lot more help than they're getting. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, as you said, um, I, I do think that sometimes, um, you know, we, we do tend to think that, oh, it's, you know, you should just take this course or, you know, read mm-hmm. this, <laughs> do these three things to pass, to make your password stronger or, or you know, or, or so on. But it's really much more complex than that, where we really would need, um, everyday citizens would really need um, sort of the, the, the guidance and the, uh, the intervention by a subject matter expert, the same way in, in your example that you would go see a doctor as opposed to, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. just doing <laughs> always a sort of the, um, the at home treatment or, or such. So yeah, that, that's I, I why it made a lot of sense. But cyber is so new mm-hmm. compared to, I mean, you and I, we will grow up, you see your parents lock the car, you see your parents lock the house. Physical security is something you kind of just absorb as a child. So nobody has to teach a child, you know, a person, well, you need to lock and you need to put your things away, not even lying around, all that sort of thing. But we don't learn cyber from our parents. 
this is a true. new thing that's hit society. And oh my goodness. The other thing is a, a lot of people get the message and because it's not their area, they don't stay up to date. And why should they? Right. So for example, for years, we've been told that a strong password is uppercase, lowercase, add a, add a number and add a special symbol. But the latest NIST guidelines that came out last year say that that's the wrong way to do things. That actually you want to go for length instead of strength, instead of complexity. Oh, really? So, I, I didn't yeah, even know that. <laughs> exactly. So, so you need to use a passphrase. So use a sentence, you know. Um, so I, I had to memorize a lot of poems when I was a child. So I just use a line from a poem I happened to have learned at school. Oh, wow. Because okay. that sticks in my head, right? right? I know it's there. I'm never going to forget it. And it's really easy to type in. Because when you're trying to type this complex password, especially on a mobile phone, it becomes really painful. Um, and so because, because that's NIST, those are the NIST guidelines, right? These guys know what they're talking about. And, but, not, but why would the general public know about NIST guidelines? Well, that's what I was going to say. Your average person, yeah. I'm sure, is not going to review yeah. the, the latest NIST and cybersecurity I guess guidelines. My argument, <laughs> my argument is that it's uh, unreasonable to expect them to know. Right. Uh, you know, I feel like, and, and also we don't, there are tools, like everyone has password pain, uh, but there's, there's a wonderful tool called the password manager that a lot of people aren't aware of. And governments should say to people, hey guys, here's a password manager, use this. Then we won't have weak passwords anymore. Interesting. Is it, is that an it, app or is that a... Oh yeah, there's loads okay. of them. Okay. Um, uh, on, on, if you go, actually, if you go onto your app store, there's about 250 and I, I can't recommend a particular one, obviously. Right. But what I can do is say to you, go and look at the most highly rated ones. And by all means, use that. Because some of them will coordinate passwords across all your devices for you as well. And they store them completely securely. And so the password pane just goes away. Wow. Um, but but that, this is not being promoted. Like, Why would somebody, maybe somebody would trust me because I'm an academic and I have not, no, nothing to gain from you using a password manager in terms of finance or anything. But, but people might trust if the government said, guys, here, here are some that we, we say are good. You know, you might want to use these to take your problems away. What? But and what it, we have is people feeling unsupported mm-hmm. and then using passes like one, two, three, four, five, six. Right. <laughs> I don't blame people for doing that I've at been all. guilty it's, of it, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's just too many passwords for right. anyone to remember. And so, I'm sorry, Professor Renoy. No, that you same, can call me Karen, of course. <laughs> okay. on, that same, on, on that same note, so that's something you're saying, if it came from government, people would likely um, take it seriously, take action. What are other things, um, two or three specific actions that if government were to take a more proactive a- approach that they could be doing? And I, I know in the article you cite that New York is doing some really interesting things. So if you could yeah. speak more about that, would, that so would be helpful. So I'll tell you, so you remember the WannaCry attack from last year, Uh, it didn't hit the States, I believe, because uh, by the time your time zone came in, Mm -hmm. um, the kill switch had been triggered by uh, somebody here in the UK. So I don't think it affected you as badly, but it affected a lot of people in our time zone and in in countries like Thailand and so on. Um, And the point is that if a government was on top of that and, and they had this, they'd established a trust with all the citizens. They, they could conceivably send out a message to every single citizen and say, you know what, this thing is hitting computers right now. Here's what you need to do immediately to prevent it happening. But, but because they haven't kind of established that expectation in people's minds and they haven't had got the infrastructure in place, it's hard for them to stop an attack like that. 
So that attack was stopped with a great stroke of luck by somebody who kind of just played around with something and realized he could stop it. It, it wasn't even, you know, he didn't even know that he was going to be able to do it. So it was lucky. Uh, but, you know, governments do have the wherewithal to know how mm-hmm. to stop these attacks. And that in, in the UK, our National Health Service was very badly affected. So, so the point is that governments kind of need to establish something beforehand. But I don't necessarily believe that government needs to do it. OK. Uh, in, in, the U, in the US, people pay for health care. But, but governments wouldn't just let it happen that there wouldn't be any hospitals. So somehow they do put things in place so that people can establish these centers to provide support for citizens. And, right. and of course, I think you have Medicare for elderly folks who are right, not able right, to afford it. Right. So I, I kind of think that depending on the country, you would have different models. But all I'm saying is at the moment, nothing is being done to encourage these things to be set up. So New York, as far as I can see, and I, you know, I've looked around, I haven't found others. It's possible other places are doing this. But I thought you know, finding that article about New York doing it was brilliant because there's other people who are thinking the same direction, They're saying we need mm-hmm. to support our citizens a bit better because it's almost as though the cyber criminals are just picking people <laughs> off because they know they're vulnerable. Right, right, exactly, yes. Well, and, and, you know, one of the things that um, we hear a lot about in the U.S., certainly um, the, the Department of Homeland Security has been very vocal that, you know, our next um, sort of even uh, terrorist attack, it'll likely be a cyber attack, not on government, but on its people, just because the ability to to spread so fast. And so there's been a lot of discussion about just having almost, um, you know, an emergency call center, um, like a 911 for us, uh, for cyber attack. That sounds really like a really good idea. Yeah, because, you know, I think oftentimes if your average person, um, you know, if they are are a victim to a cyber attack, um, you know, again, if you work at a company, you can call your IT people. But if you're at home, who do you call? What do you do? How do you contain it? What happens next? And so I think that's where a lot of people feel very helpless. Yeah. And, And, you know, they talk about the digital citizens, the young people of today, who basically grow up, you know, you see babies sitting in restaurants with iPads. Right, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, you know, this, this doesn't scare them. Mm-hmm. But my parents' generation are the really vulnerable ones. These are the ones where the hackers phone them and get them to install machines on their own computers. And they just don't have the mental models to understand that this person is taking them for a ride. Uh, and, and so, you know, we need to start thinking about supporting the entire population. Right. And not just the, the young people who have the smarts and who've been doing this for years and can cope, right? It's about also supporting those who are vulnerable to being deceived. So there's, there's a guy called Bruce Schneier who's written a lot of really amazing cyber books. Um, and uh, he says that if you're an amateur, you attack the computer system, the technology. But if you're an expert, you attack the humans. Hmm. Okay. And so de- deceiving humans is what, you know, very, very smart people do. And they go for the vulnerable. They go for the folks who don't really realize, you know, people, elderly folks maybe. Right, or people right. just don't, maybe they work in an area where they, the computers are still a little bit foreign to them. Um, and, and so as, as a society, you know, if one of those people get, get hacked, it will spread to other people's computers. That's why we have to help everyone. Because like a disease, it's, it becomes, it's contagious and it's also calamitous. 
because the minute it starts affecting your health service and people are having mm-hmm. not to be able to be treated because the, the, the hospital comes to a standstill, this, this becomes a huge issue. Mm-hmm. So it's not just high security and it's not just an inconvenience anymore. It's huge. Well, and, and I think that's where we're, we're moving to is as, as more people um, understand just the, you know, the impact of a cyber attack. It's not just yeah. that you can't log into your Facebook account, right? It's that no, it's so much larger minor, than that. Yeah. Yeah. Minor inconvenience. Right. But, you exactly. Know, the hospital cannot work. So a lot of the machines that run the MRI in, over here in this country have, have, were compromised by WannaCry last year. Um, and there was a lot of finger pointing, which wasn't very fair. The, the fact of the matter is this, this attack just spread like wildfire until somebody managed to put a stop to it. Um, and there's advice out there that says don't pay them, mm-hmm. uh, the criminals, when they encrypt computers. But a lot of people do it because they need their data back. Well, yeah, they feel, again, and helpless and don't have any other choice. Well, so I can I see. Well, I can't point fingers, but there's also some evidence out there that a lot of some small businesses will get attacked and go out of business because because of what has happened to them. And they can't carry the amount they have to pay the hackers. So you think about that. You know, this is a business that's doing good trade, being serving the community, a little business, maybe a guy, a plumber or, a, or whoever. And then suddenly he gets attacked and he has to close doors. This has real wow. impact people's lives. Now. Huge consequences. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Karen, this is all we have time for um, to talk about today. But, uh, you know, th- your article w- has given, uh, I know me personally, a lot to think about um, as someone who interacts with government uh, a lot uh, and who has worked in healthcare. So I think the comparison is, is really, really um, just really on target. And so we'll include the link to the article in our, our show notes. Um, and and where, can, um, where can our listeners find you if they want to read more about your research or um, follow you on social media all right so um my website is www.karenrenaud.com and i can see all my research there and um also on twitter i'm dr karen reno on twitter Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your, your, your research and your time here today. Um, and, you know, I think we'll, we'll see where the future takes us. But I think we have Indeed. to continuously keep informing um, not just those who work in the cybersecurity space, but the everyday citizens about these consequences. And maybe from there, we can, uh, you know, really sort of advocate to government to, to, do, to do more in terms of having a more uh, hands-on approach. Yes. And thank you so much for this opportunity to, do, to take part in your podcast today. Excellent. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, And we look forward to um, being back with you next week. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 